Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com slash give. Enjoy the message. Welcome again. I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor. So glad that you uh, joined us as we kick off uh, a brand new series and uh, the new year. Uh, I don't know about you. Yesterday was a little bit of a difficult day, obviously. Uh, if you're a Seahawks fan, uh, one, you're a great person. And also, we lost. And then a bit of a windstorm. Yeah, yeah. It was like a blowing. Of course, power uh, went out in our neighborhood. Uh, and now, uh, we have a generator. Uh, someone's asked me, hey, do you have the kind that automatically comes on? <laughs> no. Uh, I have the kind where you buy gasoline and you put it in and hope it doesn't explode. That's what I have. But it does power part of the house. And so I went out this morning and I thought, okay, I need to go get gas uh, for it. So I, I get gasoline and then I come back and the road to my house has been closed. No problem, there's another road, so I go, it was a little, it was right before the 8.30 service on the Redmond campus, go around, and that road is closed too. There's a third way, I kid you not, the road is not closed, but the wires, you can actually see them, they're uncovered, they're in some water. And I'm thinking, maybe I'll drive my car through this, <laughs> or not. And then finally, I, uh, I went over uh, another back way, and I went over these branches. I have a car that's, you know, sort of a small car, low to the ground. And so uh, I probably need a new car if you're in the car business. Uh, but I did make it here today. And despite the storm, I slept incredibly well. I did. I did. Because I got a great gift. I got the best night's sleep in the whole wide world. You know what I'm talking about? MyPillow.com. <laughs> Mike Lindell made in his home state of Minnesota. 16A money back guarantee, 10 year warranty with his own patented fill. Yeah, I've been wanting one of these things for a while. <laughs> and, and so, uh, but I seriously am excited about this new year. And my prayer is that we would not only have good intentions, but that we would see real progress in our life and faith. Uh, how many of you have made New Year's resolutions? Go ahead and raise your hand. <laughs> Not a really motivated group, are you? <laughs> I should just close in prayer right now. Uh, so, uh, but how many of you have made uh, resolutions and broken them already, right? Yeah? Okay, there's a few of us who've done that. Uh, but what would happen if we determined to, to not only behave differently, but to believe differently and allow God to be involved in that process. So today, what I'm going to do is give you a bit of an introduction, and then we're going to talk about uh, what does it mean uh, to find the win in our faith. Uh, I'm going to also look in subsequent weeks about what that means in our work, in our family, and we're going to get some biblical principles. I, I'm going to primarily focus in the book of Hebrews, but I want to start right now with Philippians 3.14, uh, this verse. 
In fact, I'm going to have you do something. This is the beginning of the year. Uh, by the way, you have perfect church attendance. Way to go. The, uh, we're going to read uh, this out loud together. Can you do that? Uh, no confidence here. Can we do that? Okay, good. Yeah, that, okay, ready, set, read. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I, I want you to look at this part, and if you take notes, I want you to underline, I press on towards the goal to win. Now, some of us, when it comes to the language of winning, we, we don't equate that with faith. The Apostle Paul doesn't have a hard time with it, does he? He says, I want to have a win in my faith, and, and I want us to consider what that looks like. But before I get there, I want to consider what it looks like getting to a win in any area of our life. You may not be a Christ follower, but I'll tell you what, these principles uh, apply. The first thing, and this is stuff that many of us know, is you've got to clarify the win. What does the win look like? What, we, we see this in the book of Hebrews, which we're going to study in a moment, uh, where in chapter 11 is the hall of faith, people who had a, a faith, a winning faith. Now, as a church, uh, we have our win. And I know there's many people who uh, are new, or maybe at one of our new campuses, and uh, what's the win for us as a church? We have the most unoriginal mission statement of any church in America. Isn't that inspiring? Yeah, it's, uh, but that's good because it comes right from the Bible. We, we actually don't get to be creative. We say, God, what do you want us to do? And Timberlake's mission is to make more and better disciples of Jesus Christ. Someone put it this way, is that we help people find and fully follow Jesus. So we evaluate everything. Uh, are we doing that? Are we helping people find and fully follow Jesus? We do that through our ministry, through our campuses. Uh, we've had many of our leaders develop. In fact, there's two uh, new pastors in the Seattle area have been on our staff who are now leading uh, churches into whole new seasons of growth starting this weekend. We, we view that as our win. We've got to clarify the win. And then the second part is set your goals. Uh, we need to set some goals. What would those look like? My wife came to me, uh, well actually came to our whole family, and uh, she said, I have an idea, which always frightens me. Uh, because by the way, if you're dating, if you're dating uh, or you're newly married, here's what I have an idea means. I have an assignment for you. Yeah, it doesn't mean, she had ideas. She has ideas she won't tell you about. The ideas she's going to talk to you about are the ideas that mean you have something you now need to do. And so, uh, and then it gets worse. My wife says, I was looking on Pinterest. <laughs> and I'm like, Lord Jesus, help me. And, uh, you know, because I, I don't know, but some of you are Pinterest kind of guys and, you know, more power to you. Uh, but I, and some of you are artsy people which is wonderful. I'm more of a linear thinker. Uh, I am not, I know this is really news to many of you. I'm not an artsy person. Uh, I, I'm, I just sort of think in clear patterns. She, she said, well, they have these vision boards. And uh, have, you, have you heard of these? Most services people have. Have you heard of these vision boards? 
and uh, some of you have done them. And she said, yeah, you can cut things out of magazines. And I'm like, okay, come on, stop. <laughs> Let's not joke with each other. Because <laughs> yeah, if it comes to drawing or painting or cutting or coloring, I'm not going to do it. And then my wife, being a very wise person, she said, okay, let's do this. And every person in our family did this. She said, let's do this in a way that really works for you. And so uh, set some goals, and we'll take out a, a, a sticky pad, and you put the goals that you have, and then some, some words that would be encouraging or challenging, uh, some scripture, some other, other things, and part of this vision board. And really define what the goals are going to be. I got to tell you, it was powerful. Because usually my only two goals are always lose weight and defriend anyone who invites me to Farmville. I mean, that's pretty much it. Uh, yeah, if you do that on Facebook, that's great. But I probably blocked you. So the, uh, but, but these goals are actually much better. And, and I'm not going to share all of mine, but uh, one is Jesus first every day. Now, that's, that's been a practice of mine. Uh, I do uh, not so well in certain areas. That's one I do okay in. But other goals were to do something for the first time. Uh, and, you know, uh, so I was thinking, what will I do? Skydiving? No, I'm not going to do that. Uh, but the, the, uh, something that I've not done before, because you don't want to stop trying new things. Uh, another goal was... Uh, to take a hike I've never taken before. My wife was like, that's great, take a hike, honey. And <laughs> I think she meant something different, but uh, we, th and there was a certain, I want to give, we, giving's a big part of us, generosity, but even give more than we've given in the past and to save more than we've saved in the past. And it's interesting, a picture started to be painted of what a vision for a powerful year could be look, look like. What would that look like for you? As we set goals, and, and any of you, you've worked in business environments, there's different acrostics that people will use. Uh, one of my favorite is simply SMART goals. You can, this is not if you're not a Christian, this isn't necessarily a Christian thing, but it applies to any area of life. So as you think of SMART for the S, it needs to be specific. Is what is this specific goal? This is important personally, as a family, even as a church. Like, uh, I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of churches and leaders, and, and usually the goals are good, but they're not specific. Uh, hey, we want to love people. That's great, but that usually doesn't mean anything. How are you going to love people? Because we will love people by maybe meeting the needs of people who are homeless and, and or sharing uh, what it means to have a relationship with God and forgiveness. Specific goals are significant goals. If your goal is, uh, I want to have a great family, good, so does everyone. But the divorce rate wouldn't be at 50% if that worked. How about, I want to have a great family by investing more time, by going to a counselor or through re-engage. See, these are, they need to be very specific for them to be, for those goals to be powerful. Uh, also, they should be measurable. Is, you know, how can we measure if we, you know, if, if I'm, my goal is to lose weight, well, how many pounds do I want to lose? Uh, it should be achievable. Uh, you've all had those teachers where he or she said to you, 
you can do anything, right? We know that's not true, right? You can't do anything. There are some things that I'm never going to, like certain sports, some people say, you like sports? I like some, I don't like others. Like I learned long ago, this may be a shock to you, is that I am never going to play in the NBA. It's not going to happen. I'm too short and I don't have, I'm not coordinated. Besides that, I'm great. You know, uh, and but you can always tell how bad you are at basketball by who guards you. <laughs> you, you know? And, and, and I'm like, oh, hey, so how did you get the injury? The war. Which one? Civil. You know? And uh, <laughs> so, so you know that there's just not going to be a lot of uh, progress in something that's really you're not wired for. And then there's relevant. Here's a good question. If I achieve this goal, would it even matter? And maybe it's an area where you already have great strength. Hey, I want to save more for retirement. And you look at, you actually have enough for retirement. So, so what is there a purpose for that? I, I want to get in great shape, and you, you're already in great shape. Is it relevant? And then time bound. When will it happen? Number three, get help. Uh, a coach, a mentor, an accountability partner. Uh, this is really significant. Uh, in, in fact, the younger generations, millennial and younger, get this in a way that older generations have not gotten. Uh, millennial and younger, they understand, hey, I need a mentor or a coach. And that's why some of them, some of you, there are a lot of you who are here, are finding success. You're going further faster and finding more success than the generations that came before you. Because you say, hey, I need to get that wisdom right now. I'm going to get help. Think about every, uh, what's the difference between uh, an athlete that has a coach and doesn't have a coach? The professionals have coaches, the amateurs don't. So the question is, is am I, am I going to operate on a professional level in that area where I'm setting the goal? And then number three, start now. We know that good intentions don't mean anything until action is put to it. So what does that mean for our faith? I, I want to uh, dive into that as we look at Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. In Hebrews 12, 1 through 2, it comes after a section of Scripture in Hebrews 11 where it describes a bunch of people from a bunch of different backgrounds, which is known by uh, many people in the church or theologians as the Hall of Faith. And then it goes right to this. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. That's important. Your race, not someone else's. Don't worry about what someone else is doing. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So as we go through that, I'm going to just go through those various verses, and I have others that will be resources to you. What's the first thing we learn is don't discover everything by trial and error. Verse 1 says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Uh, experience does not make you wise evaluated experience makes you wise. You can be old and wise or old and foolish. You can be 
young and wise. And, and this is one of the things I love about the age we're in, the information age, with the internet and all of that. If you go to the right sources, actually you can get wisdom quicker and faster. Why you learn from other people? That's what's happening in Hebrews chapter 11. There are people who are very faithful. By the way, check out who some of those people were. Moses, okay, great, he led the nation of Israel out of slavery. Abraham, he was the father of faith. Rahab, she was a prostitute. What? Okay, where, where'd she go in there? See, we learn by the people who are there that it's not the worst moment in their life. It's not their greatest failure is why they're referred to as a person of faith. It's no matter what good or bad happened, they took that and they said, God, I want to trust you in this next season of my life. And no matter how good the past was or how bad it was, the past is one thing I know for sure, the past. The question is, are we going to trust Jesus in this next season of our life? Proverbs 12, 15, it says, the way of fools seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. And part of this is number two, be honest about your dark side. One of the most powerful things that we can do is be honest about where we struggle. At, at Timberlake, we say we have a low shame level. So there's a high transformation level. I think the reason why so many of you take growth steps, I mean, hundreds of people baptize in groups, and you're starting to serve and give, and, and all those things, you're doing so many things to grow in your faith, is because when we have a low shame level, and we say, okay, I'm going to deal with my dark side, then God can transform us. Now, here's, here's something I want you to get, though, is in Hebrews 12, it says this, it says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles us. Do you know that not everything that hinders you is a sin? There are things that hinder, maybe my background. Is that something sinful you did? No. Maybe you struggle with depression. Is that because you're sinful? No. Just happens. And there's those things that hinder us that are not sins, but they still hinder us. And then it says the sin that what? Is so hard to get into? No, it says that so easily entangles us. In fact, I, I didn't have, you know, I wasn't raised in church or religion with any of that. I came to faith in Christ uh, later in my uh, teenage years, so I, I didn't know any of the, it, and so when I became a Christian, I would be in some religious environments, and I'd hear people talk about people who hadn't taken a step of faith yet, and they're like, well, I just don't know why people sin, and I'm like, I do, because it's lots of fun. <laughs> yeah, you're saying, are you supposed to laugh? Yes, you can laugh. It's true. Otherwise, you wouldn't do it. The reason why we People get caught, you get caught, I get, we get caught in sinful patterns of behavior because it's fun. It's fun to vent my anger. Tell it ruins my relationships. People get caught in, whether it's an affair or pornography or some sort of sexual addiction. Why is that? Because there's a pleasure in it till it destroys intimacy. See, we get caught in this and it's easy and here's the most powerful thing you can do is to be honest about it. The Apostle Paul, who God used to write about two-thirds of the New Testament, pretty great guy, 
in the book of Romans, which is known as the theology book of the New Testament, if you want to learn like deep theology, study the book of Romans. Uh, and in the middle of that, it goes from uh, talking about things like creation and salvation to something intensely personal. And in Romans chapter 7, he describes his struggle. Uh, about 15 verses, and he goes, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And then it goes like 12 more verses of doo-doos, where he talks about his uh, struggle there. And, and it's interesting, he doesn't say at the end of it, and now I figured it all out, no more struggle. He goes, Romans 8.1, at the end of that, he says, but there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Did he resolve his struggle? We don't know. It doesn't say he did. But he said, I know there's no condemnation no matter what my sin or struggle. When I bring it to Jesus, when I bring it to the cross of Jesus Christ. And I want you to know that too. You are you're more important than your deepest struggle or that thing that hinders you that's not a sin. It's what God says about you. And then we can step into newness. Romans chapter 12. In fact, I could have preached this whole message using uh, the book of Romans instead of the book of Hebrews because, because he says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so what does that look like? It means that uh, number three, we know and take the steps you need to grow. What are those steps we need to grow? I want to go, go through those. Uh, in fact, looking at uh, Hebrews 11, if you want to read that later on, and I have other scripture verses that, that also explain what I'm going to talk about, there are some patterns that we see, some best practices of spiritual growth. If you say, hey, I want to grow, I want to win in my faith, Here's what I've seen people do. Uh, number one is devotion. Uh, and devotion is, is a word for time with God. I would love to, to say all you need to do is come every week, just listen to me, and you're going to be an amazing Christ follower. It's all you'll ever need. I think we need daily time with God. Uh, and it, it, I was challenged many years ago. I was in Scotland. The guy who challenged me, interesting guy, he didn't become a Christian until he was 43. He was, uh, had retired as a colonel in the British Army. His family, along with another family, started the tea trade with India. They were incredibly wealthy. Yet he had devoted his life to following Jesus Christ. That was the most important, the biggest thing about him. And he said, hey, if you read five chapters of the Bible a day, you'll get through the Bible uh, two and a half times in a year. And I, I didn't grow up, I didn't know any of the Bible stories at all. I didn't even know the book of Job or the book of Philippines. I didn't know any of them. So the uh, <laughs> Philippians and Job, I'm having a little fun here. Uh, but no, I, I really didn't get it. I didn't know any of those. So I started reading the Bible. And, and that's how I've become for 30 years very familiar with the scripture. Not just, you know, going to seminary and getting those degrees were great. But really, it's through daily time in Scripture. And you might say, five chapters a day, that's... You don't have to start. Five, a chapter a day keeps the pastor away. Just do one chapter every day, and uh, uh, you'll start to grow. It'll start with the Gospel of Luke or John, 
go through it a number of times. Uh, the biggest part of the Bible are the four stories of the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. So that's where you want to start. And just go through those a few different times and then go to the book of Acts and, and pass that because that's the central part of the Christian faith. And then you can get to the older part of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, and so on. Or maybe you just sign up for our devotions. Uh, that'll come to you in the mail. We're, we are only going to do it for this month, but it'll get you started in that pattern. And then prayer. Uh, prayer was hard for me uh, until I started to mature in my faith. In fact, I haven't done a series in prayer here for years. I really probably should do one in this next year. And this daily time with God leads to a deeper faith. There's also forgiveness. Forgiveness is one of those patterns I see. Now, I talk, why do I talk about forgiveness so much? Because that's what the entire gospel of Jesus Christ is about. That Jesus Christ gave his life that I would be forgiven. And the scripture, you know, sometimes I wonder if I've been clear enough on this. The scripture says, if we don't forgive others, then we really probably never got this forgiveness from Jesus in the first place. And here's, here's the struggle with it, and I get it. You say, if you knew what that person did to me. In fact, I hear stories. Some of you are like, this person did this and this and this, and I feel like I just want to go get him. And I'm like, and I'm going to help you, you know? I mean, I, I'm with you. Except I know Jesus asked you to do something different. Forgiveness doesn't mean you forget. It doesn't mean you trust again. It doesn't even mean you're going to be besties. It simply means you cancel the debt. Because that's what Jesus has done for us. Another practice I see is generosity. Uh, Jesus says, where your money is, your heart will be also. You might be here and you say, well, I don't even believe in Jesus. Why should I give to the church? I don't think you should. But there's a principle of generosity that even secular people, you hear it all the time, that you, you see them giving their income. Do you know why? People who become billionaires. Because it wasn't enough to satisfy them. They find more joy in sharing with others. If you're not a Christ follower, maybe you'd give to Habitat for Humanity or, or a Food Bank or something like that. There's something that happens when we give our life away. Now, as a Christ follower, the Bible says that you give uh, at the church that you normally go to. So if you're here and you go to another church, give here anyway. No, just kidding. The, uh, you should give to that place with you where you worship first. The Bible is actually pretty clear about that. In fact, it's sort of interesting. More than amount is priority that we would put God first. Now, for me... Uh, we, I automate my giving so uh, that uh, we know how much we're going to get paid every month. And so that's one of the ways because sometimes people will say people have bad hearts. That's usually not the case. Oftentimes we have bad habits. And uh, so if you say, hey, I want to do that. I'm a Christ follower. I've never done that. I feel bad. Stop feeling bad. Just getting a new habit. And there's no, you know, no one's pressuring you, but it is a pattern of spiritual growth. What a great time to start that uh, with the new year. In fact, there's been literally, I think, thousands of people who have downloaded our Timberlake Church app, and that's a super simple way to do that. There's also community. 
uh, the quality of our relationships determine really the quality of our life. Uh, Andy Stanley said, show me your five closest friends and I will show you your future. And so the question is, who am I in relationship with? Why is that so important? Because we live life better when we learn from others. Uh, I mean, so, so maybe you'd go to, let's say you're married and you go to a marriage group. And, and God does something transformational in that. Sometimes you're going to see some couple and you're going to learn from them and you're going to say, man, our marriage can be so good, or there'll be another couple, and their marriage is more jacked up than yours, and you'll say, hey, we're not so bad. <laughs> and you'll be encouraged either way. We live better when other people are looking. There's a statistic that uh, men at the gym will work out 15% longer with 15% more weights if a woman is looking at them. <laughs> not hard to believe, right? And did you know that 100% of women are creeped out when men look at them in the gym? <laughs> we, we live life better when we have transparency. I've said this to my staff. I believe in transparency more than I believe in accountability. Lights on, windows open. When we live a transparent life, accountability really isn't such a problem. Here's what gets in the way of this, is the difficult circumstances we've had before. Allowing people in. Uh, one of my stepdads, which tells you a lot right there, uh, I think he was number five, as I affectionately call him. And so the, uh, he, he was saying as I was struggling, or maybe number five or six, and he was, as I was struggling in school, he said, oh, you're just dumb like me. And I thought, thank you so much. Uh, and he was just very, tried to tear me down. And uh, it was hard when you're struggling and someone tears you down. Have you, you've been there. We've all been there. You're at your worst moment and there's people who, in fact, our society majors in this right now. Don't we? We find people at their worst moment and then we try to make it worse. And the church of Jesus Christ, by the way, if you're a Christian, God has a different assignment for you. That in their worst moment, show love and compassion in a different way. There's a teacher I had. You can tell her name by her, or her age by her name. Her name was Eunice Roback. And Eunice also challenged me about my academics. And she said, I'm not going to let you skate by and just pass you. You can do better than that. And it's sort of funny that both people were challenging me, but it was a different, with a different heart. And I think actually why I was able to go on, go to school forever and ever, was because I allowed someone to appropriately challenge me. Who can do that for you? And here's a question, who does that for you? If no one does, then we probably haven't allowed anyone in. Also, there are sacred moments. Uh, what do I mean by sacred moments? It, well, things like communion, that we're transformed when we pause and we, and we take time to remember what Jesus has done. Baptism. Uh, February 10th, we're having baptism. The Bible actually commands you to be baptized. It's where I identify with the death and resurrection 
of Jesus Christ. It's a powerful moment, as so many people have shared up on the screen over the years. Worship. That is, as we worship God. And maybe you're here and you say, okay, hey, I, I'm coming to church or I'm back to church. I'm not saying make a lifetime commitment. I'm saying, why don't you say, okay, for this, this month, I'm going to come to church every week. And, uh, you know, we have uh, lots of services, different days, different locations. Hopefully you can find one. And you say, God, I'm going to give you my full attention to worship you because you're worthy, and I know that transforms my heart. There's also service, and I don't have a lot of time uh, to go into this one today. But when we serve other people, we grow. Uh, when, in fact, I, I was talking with someone last night at our Saturday night service. Uh, someone who was part of a growth group said it was good, but, you know, not all the connections, but still gave it a try and started to serve, and then served with some people, actually in one of our public school districts, uh, and said, hey, we're going uh, to work together for, for certain uh, students, and it was all from sort of the same ethnic background for, for excellence in education and really helping that. And said that was so much community, and a bunch of people, mostly people come from Timberlake, we're saying, even though we're not talking about Jesus, we want to show what Christ's followers are like. And, and that was transformational she was sharing for her. Part of that is really our, our last one, and that's sharing faith. I, I was uh, going over an old message of mine about seven years ago. And it was on the first day of the new year, I challenged people. I said, hey, is there someone who you would just... Share your faith with. Maybe you can, uh, it, you're a great Bible scholar and you can share from the scripture. Maybe you just share your personal story, how God's worked in your life. Maybe you would just invite someone uh, to church. Uh, in fact, we, we get this all the time is, hey, why did you come to church? I was invited. And, and they're like, you know, and, and they always mention the people who were serving and I was greeted so warmly and the music was so good and the pastor's really easy on the eyes. And they say all these things. Uh, that, that's not a joke. The, uh, <laughs> it is, it is. Uh, so, they say all these things. It's really about people saying, hey, I, I just want to share faith. That there's hope, there's transformation. That there is a win in your faith this year if you'll step into it. So, I, I sort of put the pieces together as I was looking through old emails. And one of the people who was invited out of that challenge came here, smart person, uh, went to college at uh, Stanford, played football, was, was I, I don't know if he knew at the time, but he, he was struggling, he had, he had cancer, came to faith, and, and then I was reading through emails about his parents, and his dad became a Christ follower, and sort of what began is like the worst moment for that family became the best moment. And even as he went, as, as a young guy, from this life to the next, he didn't go with doubt or fear, but with assurance and hope. And a whole different story was written. Because someone said, I'm going to share my faith. Someone said, I'm going to allow Jesus in my life. I'm going to let my family know that. And you know that God can be writing a whole new story for you and for me this year, if we'll let him. Will you pray with me?
Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.